Hey up, I'm Nathan Human, and this is The Biscuit Reviews, part of Humanish. And whoa, wait up, what's going on? Yes, this one is a double episode, starting with Elizabeth is Missing, a novel by Emma Healy, followed by a look at Cardinal, the hit Canadian TV show. If you want to skip straight ahead to that one, but of course you don't, then go to 7 minutes and 20 seconds. Although on the surface, this novel and TV show are completely different, there is an interesting connection between a case from the past, a debilitating mental condition, and maybe a link to one of my current favourite British TV shows. The blurb to Elizabeth is missing, hints at two mysteries to be solved, but by the end, I had a third to ponder. How had Emma Healy managed to draw together two stories 70 years apart whilst elegantly colouring in with different genres? And all led by a protagonist suffering from dementia. Enjoying a book you're pretty sure you're going to like is, is all well and good, but there is a special kind of thrill when your wariness on page one has been gently painted over with vivid swirls of Oh my, this is great by the final page. Elizabeth is Missing had me intrigued with the setup of Maud, an elderly lady suffering from dementia who is convinced something has happened to her friend Elizabeth. But I also worried, you know, it might be hard work. One of those worthy books that my focus couldn't cope with, and perhaps one I should acknowledge as good, rather than one I would find enjoyable. I really needn't have worried. To begin with, everything unfolds quite quickly into what seems like a neat little mystery with a twist. Maud is desperate to find her missing friend Elizabeth, despite her memory being impaired by dementia. But then, without a chapter change or a title as a warning, we're swept into the past and another mystery. Someone else goes missing. In the rubble of the Second World War, Maud's sister Suki disappears. Are the two events related? Does Maud know what's happened to each woman and has just forgotten? The first person narrative pinches you into Maud's present tense thoughts and actions, and the permanence of her now is way more unsettling than I was expecting. When the comfort blanket of actions following a chronological sequence is taken away, we're left with the cold reality of Maud's mind quantum leaping into each moment. Our sympathy is clearly with Maud, and we experience her disorientation. We feel the shame and heartbreak of an early accident that shows how the loss of her mind also affects her body. The world is not kind or accommodating to an elderly lady living on her own who is trying to cope with dementia. Early on, it's established how isolated she is without her husband, with her children taking contrasting approaches towards her, and her friends gone for different reasons. She is berated for eating too much toast, and is clearly struggling to keep her house in order and remember what to buy, and not to buy, at the local shop. Although, to be fair, I, I equally have the problems of remembering what to buy and probably eating too much toast. But we also see how exasperating Maud's condition can be to those who care for her, and the toll placed on her daughter in particular. And as her dementia is worsening, we are all too aware that time may be running out for Maud to discover what has happened to Elizabeth, and to resolve the mystery of her sister and all this whilst we genuinely worry about her own safety. Being inside Maud's mind is a little like being cast adrift at sea, in a boat you're not sure how to steer, and with the navigation down, all whilst a storm gathers momentum, 
You're never quite on an even keel to feel like you're in control, and as details slide from surfaces and are scattered on the floor, you're then hit with a wave of memories that totally consume you. But luckily, the author is skilled enough to never let us capsize completely. I have to admit, at one point, I even had to put the book down and go for a walk and do something else as it was just too frustrating. Maud writes post-it notes to herself as reminders. Sometimes these are numbers or instructions, sometimes they don't even really make sense, especially as she can't remember when or why she wrote them. And this was my big frustration. Why not write the time and date with each note? Why didn't someone give her notes each day with that day's date on? Look, I know it wouldn't have worked, but this is the extent to which I was drawn in by this character and the mystery that Emma Healy was taunting me with. Back in the 1940s, the story of Maud's sister unfolds in a more familiar manner and is described with vivid period detail of a life on rations and a struggle to survive and move on. Although we are on a surer footing with how the story is told, we are still presented with a Maud who seems very much on her own, and a Maud who is surrounded by characters she might not be able to trust. And to be honest, I wasn't sure how much of a reliable narrator Maud was in all of this, and that just added to the general unease. As young Maud searches for clues about her sister, characters reveal themselves as different flavours of suspicious. Maud's dad, suspicious and distant. Suki's husband, suspicious and dangerous. The lodger, suspicious and creepy. Wait, I hear you ask, when did this turn into some sort of crime thriller? Wasn't this a sad story about an old lady with dementia? Yes and and no. Look, just allow yourself to get drawn in and essentially you're getting several genre stories for the price of one here. There's definite elements of a psychological drama threaded through the main two mysteries and then there's the addition of the flashbacks, which almost gives it a cold case flavour. At times, I was curling myself into my chair with tension as the child Maud takes bigger risks in the search for her sister in the past and older Maud mirrors her desperate search in the present for Elizabeth. There is a sequence in a department store that used all the trademarks of a horror, with quick reveals and short sentences to put me through the ringer, as if a character were fleeing a monster, rather than simply trying to find the exit. In fact, trying to escape is one of the recurring themes of the novel, along with memories and the past being buried, but perhaps always waiting to be dug up. If you dig into this superb novel, you will be rewarded with a bountiful harvest. Elizabeth is Missing is a gorgeous beast of a story that spills treats from each and every page. I have to give this a double biscuit award of a Gary Baldy and a Border Classic selection, as it provided something different to chew on, whilst also giving me a delicious quality and variety to savour. And now for the first TV show of the Biscuit Reviews. Cardinal. Right, look, let's be absolutely clear from the get-go here. It was pretty much nailed on that I was going to like this show. If there was a dating app equivalent to match you with TV shows, the bio for this would have had me swiping right so hard. Police procedural. With an overarching mystery. A lead character who is broody, slightly tortured and deeply committed. Set in a snowy landscape with a hint of desolation. An unwanted new partner. Some dark mystery in the past. I mean, come on. Hey. How you doing? If you're craving something innovative or totally different, then this is probably not for you. 
But if you are a fan of Scandi noir type thrillers, then get ready to strap on your snow boots and step into some icy murky mysteries. Based on the novels by Giles Blunt, the first season introduces us to the fictional city of Algonquin Bay and Detective John Cardinal, played by Billy Campbell, who has been demoted for his failed investigation of a missing native Canadian girl. For family reasons, he has moved out to the country hoping for a quieter life that will help them. You'd have thought by now these detectives would have shared a memo about avoiding small towns and their creepy serial killers, but no. And John Cardinal becomes convinced this is a serial killer when another body is found and another young person goes missing. The body of a teenage girl has now been found in the ice and Cardinal is called back on the case along with new partner Lise Delorme, played by Kareen Vanesse, who we soon discover is investigating Cardinal as much as the murder. What is he hiding in his past? Could he really be covering up his role in corruption? This duality of purpose is mirrored throughout the show. Cardinal himself is private and quiet, but also intense and dogged. Delorme is ambitious and secretive, as well as righteous and reflective. The Canadian landscape is beautiful, but dangerous. The community is tight-knit, but fearful. Keeping a family together or starting one, love or obsession. This conflict and duality helps draw us in as there is something to doubt and root for with each character, and it helps heighten the peril. There is no way that everyone gets out of this okay. The six episodes pack a hell of a lot of story in, and in the current streaming climate, it's refreshing to not endure two or three episodes of setup before the story gets going. You know how sometimes you have to reassure your friends that your recommendation is, it's worth sticking with, it's a bit slow, but by the third and fourth episode it gets really good. Yeah? No, that isn't the case here. I tipped a friend off about this show, and I got a text back a couple of hours later that they had blown through two episodes straight away. Although the comparisons to Scandi Noir thrillers are right there, I mean, come on, Billy Campbell was even in the US version of The Killing. Cardinal actually reminded me more of a fave British show of mine, Unforgotten. And I don't just mean the similarity in their gorgeous, haunting theme songs. The two leads set the tempo in communicating volumes with the expressions and delivery without the need for histrionics, long speeches or dramatic actions. You're rewarded for fully engaging instead of maybe half watching whilst you check your social media, as discreet glances and barely concealed expressions key us in on emotions and thoughts. These characters are satisfyingly complex and watching them navigate moral quandaries and messy relationships not only adds to the drama, but also adds fuel to the fire of uncertainty. How can these two messed up people work together? And solve a case. Like Unforgotten, it is delicately plotted with less reliance on big reveals or moments of intuitive genius. The thrills here are often the slow burn ones where we get to go, Oh, as you realise how clues are knitted together. I would never have thought that a petty thief stalking of a supermarket could be so tense and also deliver a no way moment. You might also say no way at some of the violence. Cardinal is no cosy murder mystery. It is violent, at times gory and unflinching in depicting the worst of what people are capable of doing to each other. And whilst it is subtle and considered, it doesn't dawdle maintaining a brisk pace and expecting you to keep up, especially as it accelerates towards a tense ending with lives at stake. 
As always with great TV shows, you come for the hook, murder, mystery, a lost spaceship, but you stay for the relationships. And Cardinal offers up so much of the human experience for us to unpick, and by the end, I felt like it was a dissection of the many forms of love, as it was of the bodies found in the Canadian ice. My biscuit rating for Cardinal? A duo chock sandwich. This solidly made treat gives you plenty to munch on, and you'll find that just one isn't enough. Luckily, you've got four seasons to enjoy. That's all for this episode. If you do read or watch Emily is Missing or Cardinal, or maybe you already have, do let me know what you think. You can get in touch via social media or on the website where you can find all the links and previous episodes. I'm off for a brew in a bicket. Until next time, ta-ra. Ta-ra.